Between 7 and 7.30 a.m. on August 7, 1967, Floyd Horde, then the District Attorney of the Piedmont Judicial Circuit, which included Jackson County, Georgia, got into his Ford Galaxy, which was parked at his home. When he attempted to start the ignition, the car exploded as a result of 12 sticks of dynamite that had been wired to the ignition system. He was a 40-year-old father of four, and his death was almost immediate. Ultimately, five members of the infamous Dixie Mafia were convicted of the murder. This sounds like something out of a movie or a mafia hit in New York, Chicago, or Las Vegas. Yet this occurred in the foothills of the Appalachians, in a small rural town in northeast Georgia. Hello all, and welcome to episode 18 of the Everything But the Kitchen Sink podcast. I'm your host Clay Anderson, and today we will discuss bootleg operations in northern Georgia, the assassination of D.A. Floyd Horde, and the arrest and conviction of Cliff Park, the 70-year-old Dixie Mafia leader of Jackson County. Running from Atlanta into South Carolina, I-85 was a pipeline of temptation for the Dixie Mafia. Well before D.A. Horde arrived in Jackson County, it was known as a hotbed of crime and corruption, so much so that Carl Sanders, whose term as governor had ended in early 1967, had issued an executive order giving the Georgia Bureau of Investigation original jurisdiction in the county, meaning that the agency need not wait for an invitation from the local sheriff, who could not be trusted. This was, and remains, the only county in the state where the GBI has unrestricted access. Floyd Horde was an upright man. He was born in 1927 in Fayette County, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. He played a year of football at the University of Georgia in Athens before leaving for World War II. After the war, he worked as a high school teacher and a coach. When he married Imogene Westmoreland, the daughter of a Jackson County attorney, he moved to Jefferson and studied law through extension courses. He passed the bar exam in 1955 and joined the law firm of Imogene's father. By 1964, he was elected as DA. Horde stepped into a job that was especially tough. In his jurisdiction, moonshiners and car thieves were not only entrenched, but also accustomed to operating with little interference. But Horde meant business. Within days of taking office, he threw down the gauntlet by ordering a raid on one of Cliff Park's car theft operations. Over the next two years, he and his team hit the Dixie Mafia hard and often. They kept up the pressure on the chop shops. Park was forced to pay a steady series of fines, and he faced a barrage of criminal charges. The Dixie Mafia was a loosely based crime syndicate operating out of the southern states, hence the name. Unlike the Italian mob, the Dixie Mafia wasn't an ethnic, religious, familial, or racial group. The members' background didn't matter. What was important was making money. The group did not function with a set chain of command, but was led by whoever had the most money. The Dixie Mafia engaged in car theft, bootlegging, illegal gambling, prostitution, and murder for hire. The group focused most of their illegal activities in small towns and rural areas that did not have a well-coordinated or sophisticated police force. Also, these underfunded counties made bribing officials much easier. 
The Dixie Mafia operated out of Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Georgia. About the latter part of March 1967, D.A. Horde was concerned about the illegal sale of alcoholic beverages being made from a garage at a residence of Cliff Park and also from a building owned by him, known as the Yellow House. Both were located in Jackson County, where the sale of alcoholic beverages was illegal. There was evidence that since 1965, Park and another Dixie Mafia member, George Pinion, worked together in illegal liquor sales. The investigation began without telling the local sheriff because there was evidence that he was corrupt and working with the Dixie Mafia. Horde obtained the assistance from an agent of the GBI, and in turn, other law enforcement personnel were brought in. Several of these men made purchases at Parks and the Yellow House in order to obtain evidence. A GBI officer claimed that, This was an open operation in there, nothing hidden about the thing. You just walked in there and asked him for some liquor, and he sold it to you, and it was more or less generally known that it was carried on that way. A raid was scheduled for Saturday afternoon, May 6, 1967. However, on Friday evening, it was discovered that Park was attempting to move large quantities of alcohol from these two places. As a result, the scheduled raid was immediately made and $21,700 of illegal alcohol was seized, consisting of 31 cases of whiskey and 2,254 cases of beer. The amount of money taken equates to over $159,000 in 2017. Cliff Park and a man named Albert Funderburk were arrested and criminal cases were made against the two men by D.A. Horde. As a result, the two locations were padlocked by the state. On July 11, 1967, Cliff Park and Funderburk entered guilty pleas for such illegal alcohol operations and their fines, totaling 6300 were paid by Park. Also, an appeal from the padlocked order was accepted. As a result, Funderburk planned to move back into the Yellow House and continue Dixie Mafia operations. Two months before D.A. Hord's death, Dixie Mafia member George Pinion asked fellow member Shay Lloyd if he wanted to make some easy money, and later told him that he wanted a man done away with, saying it was Horde. He did not say who wanted it done, but mentioned the old man several times. Pinion had told Shay on the number of occasions that he was working closely with Cliff Park, and Shay once talked with both of them about their buying liquor from him. They talked about payment and arrangements in connection with this, and one of them told him that whenever he needed money, he could come to Park's place and pick it up, but Shea never did so. Pinion first offered Shea $5,000 to do the hit and said it would be best to kill Horde on the road with a shotgun as he was returning home. Shea told Pinion that he was not interested but would try to find someone. Shea mentioned it to a Dixie Mafia associate named Worley who wanted $7,500 for it. When this was reported to Pinion that he had someone who would do it, but if he would pay more money, Pinion replied that, Well, that is all the man will pay, and I don't think the man will pay anymore. I'll go see. I will check. 
Pinion left and in about 45 minutes returned and told them that the old man won't go up anymore. I will put 500 on it and make it 5,500. Worley did not wish to do it, but decided to go ahead anyway. On the Thursday before D.A. Hord's death, Shea, an associate named Blackwell, and Worley met by prearrangement at a restaurant in an adjacent county and drove to Anderson, South Carolina, where Blackwell, with money provided by Park, purchased sticks of dynamite and caps. They then practiced working with the wiring caps on a 1964 automobile. Shea then showed Blackwell how to connect these to the coil of a car. Blackwell was getting cold feet. He told Worley that he did not want to be involved, but Worley replied that if he didn't, the old man would get someone else and that the old man would harm him or his family. Blackwell knew whom Worley was referring to, and the fear of Park convinced Blackwell to go ahead. On Sunday, August 6th, Blackwell, Shea, and Worley met. Shea offered Blackwell $1,500 if he would go with them and watch while Shea and Worley put the dynamite on the Ford Galaxy. One of them, Shea thought, told Blackwell the man wanted it done that night before he went to court on Monday. Worley pointed out Hord's house, and Shea made a short trip to verify it and the car parked there as Hord's. During this time, Blackwell and Worley went to a nearby location, wired several sticks of dynamite together, and returned to Hord's residence. Then Blackwell went to Hord's yard where his car was parked and watched as the men placed the dynamite onto the coil of the car where he then rejoined the others. The three drove away, and at a bridge, the shoes and gloves that had been worn to attach the sticks of dynamite were thrown out. That night, Blackwell went to Wrightsville, Georgia, and during the morning heard over the radio about D.A. Hord's death. On the morning of August 7, 1967, D.A. Hord ate breakfast as usual with his family in Jefferson. Later, he was scheduled to present evidence about Park to a grand jury. He told his wife he would try to be home early and time for an evening softball game. When he got into his car and turned the ignition key, the dynamite wired to the car's electrical system exploded. The front half of the car was blown to bits and Hoard died at the scene. When the bomb went off, the two eldest children rushed outside and waded into the wreckage, trying in vain to help their father. This was the last such killing of an elected official in the state of Georgia before DeKalb Sheriff-elect Derwin Brown was killed December 2000. On Wednesday, August 9th, Pinion brought $5,500 in cash to Shea. But before he left, Pinion told Shea that the old man was worried and worried about the other men giving them up. Shea told him not to. Then Shea gave the money to Worley, who divided it 2000 for Shea, 2000 for Worley, and 1500 for Blackwell. From Jefferson to Atlanta, people were shocked, horrified, and indignant. State and local officials rose up, vowing to bring the murderers to justice and put an end to the moonshining and car theft rings. Georgia leaders were outraged, and this prompted sweeping investigations into the Dixie Mafia. Many bootleggers traded their Stetson hats and cigars for prison stripes. After Hoard's death, papers were found in which he expressed his determination to eliminate gangs in his jurisdiction. Quote, we have learned our lessons in crime. 
we pledge activity for inactivity, courage for fear. At his funeral, one eulogist said of Horde that, quote, he made his decision and had counted the cost, and yesterday he paid the full price. The break in the case, when the girlfriend of Northwest Georgia man, George Shea, told police that Shea had admitted his involvement in it. At the trial, Shea and Blackwell testified for the prosecution. Shea, Blackwell, Worley, and Pinion were sentenced to life in prison. Park pled not guilty and went to trial. He was found guilty and sentenced to death. Of the five men arrested for the murder of D.A. Floyd Horde, the four murderers were ultimately paroled, and two of them came to bad ends. Shea died in a gunfight. Pinion was found in the burnt-out hulk of a car. Worley died in 1994, and Blackwell died in 2004 in Pickens County, which is the county I live in, at the ripe old age of 60. Despite being sentenced to death, the mastermind and leader of the Dixie Mafia in Jackson County, Cliff Parks, would die behind bars in the Georgia State Penitentiary in Jackson. Now the road where Horde died, stretching eight miles from Jefferson to Nicholson, Georgia, bears his name. The state has some 600 roads, bridges, and intersections named after the famous and not-so-famous man. Horde's son stated in 1994 that this was perceived as an event that really turned the county around. It made people see that these were not just bootleggers making nickels and dimes. They had gotten to the point where they felt they were beyond the law. Yet they weren't. For those who knew him, D.A. Horde approached his job without fear and paid the ultimate price for his bravery. History has his moments where a sacrifice, a supreme act of courage, is required. Floyd Horde had that. He knew that was probably going to happen, and he did it anyway. He didn't want to live in the kind of world he was living in. He wanted it to change, and change it did. Thanks for listening to episode 18. Next week, we will look at the case of Mark O'Barton. He was a day trader turned spree killer in Atlanta, Georgia. He killed 12 people, including his wife and two children. This will also delve into the mysterious deaths of his ex-wife and ex-mother-in-law six years previously. That's it. Have a great week.